Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today in Virtual Legality, we're actually going to be talking about a game that I like, and that is Gran Turismo 7, a game that, in my opinion, is a return to form for PlayStation brand's venerable racing series, and which I have enjoyed thoroughly since its release earlier this month. Unfortunately, here in 2022, even games that I like are not without their controversies, and Gran Turismo 7 has had a couple of doozies in the past 24 hours. So if you're interested in microtransactions, or you're interested in the future of digital rights management and always online single-player content, please do stick with us. But before we get into the substance, I do want to remind folks, this is a Patreon-supported channel. If you like what you hear, if you're otherwise invested in virtual legality, please do check out supporting the channel through that venue. And there are others, of course, listed in the description. We'll have more in the future, at one of the tiers of support for the channel, you can support the channel for the entire month. And this episode is where we talk about those Patreon sponsors and give our thanks to everything that they contribute to the channel. Those sponsors for March 2022 are Dragon Girl, Falcus Vipus, Nord, Opal Studded Dagger, and Brendan Coleman, who I think many folks enjoy having a name right under Opal Studded Dagger, all of which who have supported the channel uh, for many, many months now and for which I am very Appreciative. If you do want to check that out, please do check out the Patreon. We'll be mentioning these folks again at the end of the video. But for now, if you haven't been following the Grand Turismo 7 controversies, we have a few of them to talk about with you. So yesterday, St. Patrick's Day 2022, start of the NCAA tournament, all sorts of things happening, including that Grand Turismo 7 put out some patch notes for update 1.07. And this has a whole bunch of notes, some of which you probably aren't interested in. I was interested in one in particular because I have been enjoying this game, where I found out that for the license exams, which control certain abilities to get cars and various other things, they put the wrong tires on the cars for the dirt challenges, which explains why I was having so much difficulty. It's not my skill set. It's not my talent. It's the tires themselves. So I was looking forward to giving a try to these license exams with these other tires, but that's not really what everybody got excited about. No. What they got excited about was this item six, World Circuits, the main racing in Gran Turismo 7 said, adjusted the rewards for events inside World Circuits according to driving time and difficulty. And the adjusted events are as follows. And I highlighted these. And again, these are probably of no interest if you aren't otherwise playing the game, but it is a number of tracks. I think it's 15 to 18, something along those lines. And when you've got a patch note that's somewhat ambiguous like this, people are always interested in what anybody is talking about. Fortunately, VGC, Video Games Chronicles, put out a video that talked about exactly what this meant. And in this article here, they highlighted that a Discord user had summarized all the changes that they saw. There are a couple here at the top, highlighted in blue, that actually go up because it appears that the credit reward was completely wrong. And these credits are used primarily for buying cars and tuning cars and upgrading cars. Uh, and they were giving out 5,000 credits for a very long race. That was increased to 70,000. Same for another race. And then everything else is reduced. 50,000 becomes 30,000. 65,000 becomes 30,000. Now, some of these numbers are actually a little bit ambiguous because you do get a 50% bump if you're not otherwise crashing into cars, etc., etc. But all of these tracks went down in number. VGC attributes this to the fact that these were the tracks, these were the races that people were using to grind for credits in a way that some think might have been exploitative. Certainly, it would appear that Polyphony and Sony and PlayStation thought that it was exploitative, but the rubber hits the road here, no pun intended given the subject matter, because of this last line. Gran Turismo 7 allows players to spend real money to buy credits 
in order to purchase in-game cars. So there's some notion among a lot of Gran Turismo fans, and I think this is uh, warranted in a number of respects, that the prices for the cars, the prices for things in this game are jacked up in order for Sony and PlayStation to sell you credits with real life money. In fact, VGC has an article that's headlined, Gran Turismo 7's microtransactions are live, and GT Sports, the series entry immediately before this one, $5 cars now cost $40. Now, I actually think this goes a little bit far, but they do point out a number of interesting things that are becoming part of the narrative of video games and gaming. During the review period, these microtransactions were inaccessible, so it wasn't possible to tell how much credits would cost when the game was released. This is something that we have seen, perhaps to more nefarious ends than even here with respect to Gran Turismo 7 in the past, where publishers and developers are holding back certain things that might otherwise change their review score and not revealing these important details until after those reviews might otherwise be in. And you see here that they're selling 100,000 credits for 250, 250 for five, 750 for 10, and 2 million for 20. Best value, I'm sure is what they say somewhere on their marketing. Now, VGC says, hey, if you want these cars now, they're three million, they're three six, they're three, they're three million three. These all cost $40. That's not strictly accurate insofar as $40 gets you 4 million credits and they can buy you other cars, et cetera, et cetera. And also that, of course, you can earn these credits on your own. Now, before this nerf, which I haven't been able to play yet, and that'll be the second half of this video, you can believe it, you would have not had much of a problem, in my opinion, driving around and getting a million credits. Uh, I didn't find an issue with that. There was a car that was available that I wanted to buy and I got a million credits and it wasn't really that big of a deal. But it certainly is worth noting that if you want all these cars, you're going to be grinding a lot or you're going to be paying them money. And I think people have an intuitive sense that when there is the capability to pay these developers or publishers money, they do have an incentive on the back end to make these prices higher than they might otherwise have, right? If you can't sell for credits, PlayStation might've said, hey, this should be 2 million credits. This should be 1 million credits. It should be something that's more available for players to actually get into. But if we're selling you credits at the same time, well, maybe we make it a little bit higher. We've seen these accusations, especially against companies like Ubisoft that have these kinds of accelerator concepts in their games. But people have asked me a number of times, and I don't believe I've covered it here in Virtual Legality, you know, can they do this? Can they make these changes? Can they change something that they are selling at the same time in a way that looks very untoward? And unfortunately, my answer is generally gonna be yes, and we're gonna talk about why. Now, the very first thing that we do when we wanna talk about these things is we look at how the software licenses from a legal and business perspective are actually stated in the marketing materials in where you would go to buy this product, right? So I pulled up the PlayStation Store here. You see the Gran Turismo 7 page and you see a number of things, some of which are actually more applicable to the second half of this video, but I wanted to point them out. So you see a reference to in-game purchases. So they are telling you that there are ways to give them additional money. You see a reference to online play optional. You wanna keep that in mind when we get to that second half of this video. You see the add-ons here described uh, as they were in the VGC article. And then you see some descriptions. Uh, we're gonna get back to these for that second half, but what we really wanna know is what is the license here? People are always asking this. Well, I didn't sign a license. I didn't agree to a license. Yes, you probably did. On the back of the box in small print, there's gonna be a reference to what license that you have to buy that you have to agree to in order to use this product. Here, we've got software subject to license, usplaystation.com software license, which of course I click through, so you don't have to. 
And we can look at this whole thing. This is a very long document, right? This software product license agreement applies to your use of all software products on authorized PlayStation systems. Your use of the software is also subject to the terms and conditions set forth in the PlayStation Network Terms of Service, user agreement, the system software license agreement for your PlayStation, not the software, your actual hardware, and the PlayStation privacy policy. So you have a lot of reading to do if you want to purchase Gran Turismo 7, right? And this, of course is what people come into my comments and tell me. He said, nobody's going to read all these things, and I don't really blame you. But the default position of the U.S. court system particularly is that all these things actually are going to bind your usage rights of this particular software content. And what do they grant you? They grant you a limited non-exclusive license to use the software for your personal use on your PlayStation system, as we've talked about before. And as we talked about before in yesterday's video, very, very recently here in Virtual Legality, any rights in the software not explicitly granted to you in this license are reserved by Sony Interactive Entertainment, including rights to all intellectual property contained in the software, and you agree not to create derivative works or co copy, publicly perform, or broadcast the software without the express prior written consent of SIE. Is anybody out there getting the express prior written consent of Sony? I doubt it. And so even though they're providing share functionality in their software, they're not really giving you the license to use it very much. And that is, of course, a continuing issue in video gaming, but it's not our issue today. So let's press on. One of our issues today in this first half of the video is updates. Updates and online server support. Here is what they say in the license you have to agree to in order to play Gran Turismo 7. This agreement will apply to all software updates, including all downloadable content for the software. SIE LLC may, by automatic update or otherwise, modify the software at any time for any reason. And if the software uses online servers, SIE LLC makes no commitment to continue to make those servers available and may terminate online features at any time, which we know. We've seen servers come down. We've seen those announcements. But the big deal here is they can change anything they want in their software. And I know gamers, a lot of people watching this, listening to this, know this intuitively already. They've seen things change. Obviously, if you're playing Destiny, they're going to patch it every two minutes and they're going to announce major changes as you play and they're going to vault your content. We've seen that before. But generally speaking, we now live in 2022 in a world in which they can change fundamental aspects of the game that you are playing on the fly even, and this is important, even if it is fundamentally single player, right? So single player used to be at least a little bit sacrosanct. Hey, you get the game that you bought and we're not going to change it too much. But this language here in this license says they can do whatever they like. Now, there is, of course, some kind of a reductio ad absurdum argument you could make that I have used in the past, which says, hey, if Sony replaced Gran Turismo 7 with an accounting program, you would probably have a good faith and fair dealing argument, a fraud complaint, all sorts of things that you could potentially bring against Sony. But on the margins, if it's still a car racing game, changing the number of credits that you get for racing in those events still probably going to be okay, regardless of how you might otherwise feel about it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't feel very negatively about it. In fact, I don't feel great about it. I think it looks bad. And this is a game that I very much enjoy, but they probably can do it legally. Now, the other aspect of this is where things really get interesting and what gave this particular video its name, right? So that's already happening. They put out these patch notes. People are already complaining about all of this stuff when... Gran Turismo puts out a little bit of an announcement yesterday. Due to an issue found in update 1.07, we will be extending the server maintenance period. We will notify everyone as soon as possible when this is likely to be completed. We apologize for this inconvenience and ask for your patience while we work to resolve 
the issue. Now, these kinds of things can happen. I think people can be reasonable about these kinds of things. But one thing you might think when this happens is, okay, well, the server maintenance is going to happen. I can't play online modes. I can't do various things online. But it's a single-player racing game. I can go play it by myself. Hmm. Not so fast here in 2022. As The Verge reports, the maintenance means that much of Gran Turismo 7, including its career mode and multiplayer, is unplayable, and it's unclear when the maintenance might end. Or as Tom Warren says, Gran Turismo has been unplayable for hours today due to server maintenance after a bad patch. You can't even play the game offline right now, and the patch also makes the game more grindy, which of course was the first half of our discussion here. You get a warning, a connection to the server could not be established, and this continues on to 5.54 in the morning here. Gran Turismo 7 has been down for more than 24 hours with no communication for 21 hours, right? This statement is okay. But note that what Gran Turismo is actually saying here is that they will tell you when they know that this will be done. And they haven't said that yet. Now, I'm very hopeful, and we'll see why at the end of this video, that this will all have been relatively close to fixed by the time this actually gets uploaded. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen, and that doesn't mean that the people's complaints about how it happened aren't accurate, valid, or worthy of discussion in this space. So Grant is actually saying, hey, we'll notify you when it's likely to be completed, should have been followed with a bunch of tweets here updating folks on the process, especially since they sold at full price a video game that, as Tom Warren, The Verge, and others report, isn't really accessible while this maintenance is underground. You didn't buy into World of Warcraft, did you? You bought into a single-player game with multiplayer components, and yet you're not allowed to play that game, which resulted in what we can expect in gaming nowadays, which is Review bombing. As Eurogamer reports this morning, Gran Turismo 7 is review bombed as extended maintenance drags on. And they point us to Metacritic, which we can actually see is getting review bombed. Currently at a 5.2 user score, 726 negative reviews, and March 17th, 2022 for a whole bunch of zeros and low scores, right? Now, some of these complaints are about the microtransactions, people getting upset about that, either justifiably or not justifiably, depending on which side of the spectrum you want to look at that particular issue on, but also they're talking about this maintenance window and lack of communications, right? And Gadget's also reporting on this kind of stuff and confirming as you need online access to play the core GT mode, some gamers are furious and other players have asked for full refunds. Now, People have come into my DMs, they've talked to me on social media, hey, can anything be done about this? I want to talk to you about a couple of the things that I think are potentially problematic about this issue. Not just the lack of communication, which I think everybody is warranted to be upset about, but also the way Sony has described this Gran Turismo 7 product, right? As I mentioned, they say online play is optional. If we go and we look at the description here, we get the following. The edition includes the full game and a PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 entitlement. Experience the complete real driving simulator 25 years in the making. Get behind the wheel of over 400 cars from day one with each classic motor and bleeding edge supercar recreated with unparalleled detail and navigate over 90 tracks in dynamic weather conditions. With the reintroduction of the legendary GT simulation mode, you can buy, tune, race, and sell your way through a solo campaign as you unlock new cars and challenges. And if you love going head to head with others, hone your skills and compete in GT sport mode, asterisk. Now, I did that not just to have my fun corporate sales pitch voice come out, but also because they don't do the right thing in establishing just how online this game actually is, right? So that's the description. You see a reference to a solo campaign. Then you see a reference to GT Sport Mode with this asterisk. And where does that asterisk lead you? It leads you to requires internet connection and PS Plus membership, 
Now, one could argue that applies to the whole description, but I think you'd have difficulty arguing that when you've got it directly associated with a sentence and that sentence is about going head to head with others. You don't see a description of an internet connection requirement for solo mode or any reason for someone to believe that buying this game will require that internet connection and that Gran Turismo, Polyphony, Sony, and everyone else could screw this up so badly that you would actually lose that access. Now you see other weird things in this entry, right? You see the reference to both the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 uh, versions, and then you see to play this game on PlayStation 5, your system may need to be updated to the latest system software. And although this game is playable on PS5, some features available on PS4 may be absent. Now that of course doesn't apply to the PS5 version of Gran Turismo, even if it looks like it does. This is boilerplate language that they pulled about their backwards compatibility, which is obvious enough from the next sentence that says see playstation.com slash BC, backwards compatibility for more details. But the point is, they are not being terribly careful about how they even describe the licenses, the requirements, and what's going into your video game. It is reasonable to assume that somebody that isn't as well-versed in this stuff and isn't following virtual legality every day would have no reason to know from this description that their solo mode would be gone if there's a server maintenance issue at Polyphony and Sony. And when that happens, when you lack a reasonable person being able to understand this, you get into real potential trouble if you are Sony. Then they have their legalese here and their copyright notifications, and then they just have a reference at the end. Sony Interactive Entertainment Privacy Policy and End User License Agreement. Now, this isn't that document, so I'm unclear as to what this is doing here. But short story, none of this really works to establish what you would need to establish if you're coming at things from a corporate perspective. This should say that you need that server access and that server maintenance windows and whatnot can affect your solo campaign. Instead, it seems to direct only to the multiplayer concept, including the reference to PS Plus, which we know isn't necessary to actually play Gran Turismo 7 outside of that multiplayer environment. And so this starts to look like they aren't dotting their I's and crossing their T's in the way that they should. Now, from a legal perspective, through that software product license agreement, I promise you we would talk about it a little bit more, we do note that they have the standard disclaimers, right? Except is provided herein, the software and all related services are provided as is and to the maximum extent allowable under law, Sony Interactive Entertainment disclaims all warranties of any kind, whether express or implied, including but not limited to any warranties of merchantability, fitness for a particular purpose, and non-infringement. A lot of legalese, but basically what this says is Sony makes absolutely no promises about the services, about Gran Turismo 7 whatsoever. Can't sue them over it because we didn't promise that it would even work. Or as they say in the next sentence, without limiting the foregoing, Sony does not warrant that operation of the software will be uninterrupted, which of course is what we're talking about here, or error-free, that the software will be compatible with any other product. One would assume they could rep that it's compatible with the PlayStation, but no or that the software will work properly on all devices and Sony at its sole discretion can discontinue supporting its software at any time and will have no liability for such discontinuance. Now, this isn't a discontinuation. This game only released this month. This is essentially an accident. And I do think it's worth noting that this is a bad one. The fact that they aren't announcing anything at all is bad. This is suggestive of a real bad patch and potentially a really bad system that they were using for pipelines and all sorts of stuff that gets beyond my pay grade as a lowly lawyer and not a technical mastermind. But from my legal perspective, you can see how they try to protect themselves with these disclaimers and with the rest of an agreement that requires arbitration and all this good stuff that we're now used to talking about in virtual legality. But that means that they can't be liable 
for this kind of thing. That said, there is an interesting piece of language that they use, and it's coming down to what we were talking about with respect to the Engadget uh, article, which is that other players have asked for full refunds. And I can't really blame them. You know, we look at this description, I don't see something that says online is required. Online play is optional, they tell me. They have an asterisk that doesn't point me to a solo campaign needing online access. And then they've got a refund policy that reads a little something like this. After purchasing the type of content through the PlayStation Store, so this is really only specifically about digital purchases, but this could also apply depending on your retailer, you have 14 days from purchase to request a refund. If you've started to download or stream the purchase content, you will not be eligible for a refund. So you have 14 days from when you bought it to decide it was a mistake, but you can't have started to download, which is a problem in and of itself and may have issues with certain jurisdictions and people will bring those up in the comments, I am sure. But they give an example use that maybe doesn't have to follow those particular rules unless the content is faulty. Now, faulty doesn't get a capital F. Faulty doesn't get a definition here. What is faulty? Is it faulty to have a game that you sold without the proper references to being online, requiring that online condition, and then your own professionals screwing up enough that that game is lost to you for a day or more? I think the argument could be made. I'm not returning my copy, of course, because I actually do enjoy this game. But could it be deemed faulty? I think it could. And if you do deem it faulty, you could find yourself in a situation where, honestly, you could get that refund, especially if you could make enough noise on Reddit or social media or elsewhere. But the main reason I wanted to make this video was to talk you through the various legalese items with respect to reducing the credits and with having this kind of mistake not potentially put them in trouble with their software license. And I think we've done that. But it is important to note that this is also kind of a presage of the future, right? Gran Turismo 7 is not going to be the first time that you see this with a solo campaign having essentially a shadow server requirement and then it coming up in this fashion. You probably wouldn't even have noticed it if the server maintenance window were very, very short. They uploaded the patch and things proceeded to pace. They didn't do that. They failed. And this exposes what we're looking at with respect to digital rights management with online server construction. And why does that all happen? Well, this is all part of the same story. That's why it's part of the same video. When you have to sell credits, when it's part of your business model, you have to take a deeper control of what people are getting by themselves. And that can look pretty evil. But you also have to take a deeper control over not being able to cheat on this because you want to sell those credits to folks. And so the server checks, making sure the numbers match up and things that are not terribly useful to the average consumer and can create problems like this become very specifically necessary for your business model. And frankly, I think a lot of people should be concerned about this going forward into the future. Business models are great. I'm a corporate lawyer. I like my clients making money. I understand how this happens. But as a gamer, that doesn't mean I have to like it. And it does mean with a YouTube channel, I can talk about how much I don't like it. Gran Turismo 7 is a great game, but unfortunately it is getting weighed down by these decisions at the Sony level. And frankly, some kind of incompetence in either their pipeline or the way they've patched this that created this news item today. Now, hopefully it ends pretty soon. Tom Warren has talked also earlier this morning, about an hour before I started making this video, that Polyphony has released the next update 1.08, but the servers are still offline. He downloaded it, took 19 minutes for the PS5 to copy the update file. We all hate that on the PlayStation sign, but the game is still offline. So we can hope that update 1.08 is designed to fix this issue and that Gran Turismo will come back. That still doesn't absolve them of all this. And it certainly doesn't absolve them of going dark, telling us when this is likely to be completed and never telling us anything. This is 
a stain on Gran Turismo 7. And frankly, it's a stain on Sony and PlayStation, but it's a stain I hope that they can correct, especially when we get more knowledge about it, about the software licenses that allow it here in virtual legality. If you do enjoy these conversations, please do check out our Patreon. We'll have other ways to support it in the description of this video, as well as another way very, very soon. Uh, if you do support us that, we have tiers, including the tiers supported by Dragon Girl, Falcus, Vipus, Nord, Opal Studded Dagger, and Brendan Coleman, to which we give very much thanks. For March 2022, we cannot do it without viewers and listeners like you, but otherwise just subscribing, telling your friends, upvoting, downvoting, sharing these videos, sharing the podcast everywhere helps drive that subscriber number up, helps make YouTube notice us more, and every little bit goes towards that goal. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.